But I feel the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. Amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord if you feel him here tonight? Amen. We don't want to delay any longer. Because how many knows the word of God is the most important part of the entire service? How many love the word of God in the house tonight? And um, I would like to say, because this is a rare opportunity for, get, for me to get to introduce my friend. Um, let me tell you something about Brother Jared Turner. Um, he has known me since I was about this tall. We, uh, we played Legos together. And... Uh, and the, the heroes, all of them, we, we, that's how far we go back. And from the second he was a little kid until now, you will not find a truer Christian and just an all-around good guy as Jared Turner. He just is who he is. He's consistent. And I knew as a, as a teenager growing up with temptations and all this crazy stuff going on, uh, I remember one time some kids were doing something they weren't supposed to be doing, and me and Jared were there, and we felt the pressure. Of, are we going to leave this or are we going to stay in this? And I remember I walked out and, and, I, and I heard the door click behind me. And I looked back and it was Jared. And he said, I was just waiting for somebody to do the right thing. And I knew I'd be right there. <laughs> That's just who Jared is. You always know that he will stand by you. You just always know that he's going to be there. He's all the way from Arkansas. He's a youth pastor there doing a great work, has a great youth group. Would you welcome my friend, Brother Jared Turner, as he comes to preach the word of God to us? Oh, thank you. Let's give that hand clap to the Lord one more time. Aren't you thankful for what the Lord has done in your life? Anybody have a testimony tonight? Say, God's done something for me. He's done something in my life. You don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. Amen. Well, I'm so thankful to be here tonight. And what a wonderful crowd on a Friday night. A lot of places you could be and a lot of things that you could be doing. But it's so heartwarming to feel the presence of God and to feel the worship of God's people on a Friday night. What? No, there's no better place to be. And there's nothing better that we could be doing than thinking about the Lord, than letting God's presence consume us. Right. And we're so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful that my lovely wife is with me and she makes me look good. And uh, she's real. I, I say I just carry the title of youth pastor, but she does most of the work. And I'm very thankful for her. And I'm so thankful to be here tonight. And while I'm saying this, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 19. And, and then we're going to flip over to Romans chapter number seven. Just read a couple of verses of scripture. I know you're standing, so I won't take too long. But I want to say it's such an honor to be here with brother and sister French and their family. And like brother Nathan said, we go way back. And uh, there is they are a true apostolic family. And I am so thankful for them and their love in my life. And for Ryan and Rachel, I've admired you from afar. And haven't known them real well. They were older and they were already out evangelizing by the time I... I came around, but I've admired their life and their stance. And of course, John, I was right in the middle between John and Nathan. And we were just, we were three amigos. I mean, and your birthdays were close together. So you had a joint birthday party and, and those were always a blast. And, and then you married Vera and Rachel brought them into the family. And they're uh, immediately just part of our friend group. And they're such wonderful people. 
and, uh, and of course all the grandkids I'm so good to be with everybody tonight and I just feel very overwhelmed and very thankful to be here so now let's read in the word of God what we, we came here you didn't come here to hear me speak hopefully you came here to hear God speak to hear the word speak because I could speak for an hour and it do you no good but God could speak one word and it changed your life forever so let's look now to the word of the Lord. Psalms chapter 19, verse number 9. Just one verse of scripture and then we'll flip to Romans chapter 7. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. Now let's flip over to Romans chapter number 7. And we're going to look at just one passage of scripture there. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. And I want to preach to you for just a few minutes on the flip side of sin. The flip side of sin. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I love you, Lord, and I'm thankful for this humbling opportunity to stand in this sacred desk and to speak the word that I believe you've laid on my heart. And I pray that you would anoint my words, God, that you would change them, God, to let them be your words, God. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint the hearer, God, that they don't just hear a talk, God, that they don't just hear some words, God, but that they hear your voice resonating in their soul and that it speaks to somebody tonight. Renew us in the Holy Ghost and help us by the power of the name of Jesus. And God, we love you, Lord, and we lift you up. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated tonight. How many of you have taken a shower recently? Thank God. We're so thankful for that. Right? How many, how many teenagers do your parents get on to you about cleaning your room? Right? Yeah, clean your room. Right? My mother was always on that. Clean your room. We invest a lot in cleaning. We invest a lot of time and a lot of resources in buying cleaning products and stocking them in our house. And uh, it's very important as our mothers teach us to be clean. Right? We brush our teeth. Or at least I hope you do. Right? We take showers. At least I hope you do. Right? So we invest a lot of time and a lot of energy in being clean. And why? Why do we put so much effort into being clean? Why would, why does your, young people, why does your mom harp on you so much about being clean and washing behind the ears? And, you know, as hopefully she doesn't have to do this anymore, but when you were a child to make sure that you did it, you know, that you weren't just running the bathwater and standing out to the side, you know, and saying, oh, I took a bath, you know. Hopefully they don't have to check that anymore. But why is it so important that we, we think a lot about being clean? We think a lot about cleaning our houses and, well, I guess you could say it's to avoid dirt and the stink and the grime, right, that would build up with life. You know, that we don't want to be dirty. We don't want to be stinky. You're not going to have friends very long if you don't take a shower. Just, that's just a little life lesson. Just throw that in on the side. You're not going to have friends very long if you don't take a shower, right? And uh, so, you know, that, that stink can build up over time. And we, so we invest a lot of time and energy into being clean. But there's more to it than just kind of avoiding the dirt and the stink and the grime. 
there's something that we now know that generations past didn't always know. That there's something behind the dirt. There's something more than just the dirty that you can see. There's a thing called a germ or a bacteria. And it lives in that dirt. And if you leave that dirt and let it go for too long, right, something can begin to grow there. Right? I mean, we, we wash the dishes. How many wash the dishes? Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I've done my years of dish duty. And you have to wash the dishes, no matter how annoying it is. But really, you, it's just food, right? I mean, food is good, and the only thing that touches the plate is food. So why do I have to wash the dishes? I mean, if I ate spaghetti last night, and I'm going to eat spaghetti again tonight, then that same plate should work, right? That same plate. No, that's gross. Right? No, I hope you don't do that. Right? Because if you leave that stuff there, something will begin to grow. If you don't take care of it, there's a little thing called a bacteria or a germ that begins to grow. And maybe what started as, well, I just don't feel like taking care of that right now. I don't feel like washing that dish. I don't feel like taking a shower. I don't feel like cleaning my room. Eventually, something's going to grow and something you never invited is going to become present in your life. And you can get sick because of that germ or that bacteria. So being clean is something that's necessary for us to live. It's not just something your mom likes to pick on you about. right? It's actually good for your health to keep clean. It's good for you. I know and hopefully you're past that stage. Hopefully I'm talking to teenagers that know that it's good to be clean. But, you know, but there's something behind it. It's not just the dirt. There's something else that nobody invites a sickness into their life. Nobody knowingly comes in contact with a germ or with a bacteria. It happens by accident. How many have ever said, I want to go get a cold today? Let me go pick up some germs and catch a cold. I think that would be really fun to really kickstart my weekend. You know, a good sore throat and a runny nose, that would be awesome. Nobody does that. It happens by accident because you come in contact with something that is not clean. And the same thing can happen in your spirit. People don't pick up spiritual diseases and spiritual conditions on purpose. But they come into contact with something that is unclean. They come into contact with something that is more than just what it appears. There's something behind it. There's something behind it. And the psalmist said that the fear of the Lord is clean. You're not going to pick up a spiritual germ coming to church and feeling the presence of the Lord and reading the word of God and in prayer. You're not going to pick up something. God's, the fear of the Lord is clean. God's righteousness, God's commandments are clean. They're meant to protect you. They're meant to help you. They're meant to guide you. They're meant to lead you. They're clean. They're pure. They're not going to catch anything. But that cannot be said of this world. That cannot be said of the system that this world has built around our culture and around our nation and is marketing to our young people. It's marketing it to you. And there's something behind it. It's not just simply a choice. That's what they like to say. Well, this we just you need to have the freedom to choose what you watch and you need to have the freedom to choose what you wear. And you don't need any stuffy church man or stuffy Bible telling you how to live. And so they tell you that it's a choice. They tell you that it's a choice. Well, 
And some level it is a choice, but nobody chooses the consequences. It's sin can manipulate you. It masquerades as a choice, but it's really just manipulation. It makes you think that you're in control of your life, that I'm in control of my destiny. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me how to live. Nobody's going to tell me how to dress. Nobody's going to tell me what to watch. I'm going to choose this. I'm going to make this decision. But see, there's something behind that choice. There's something back there that we don't always see, young people. There's something back there that is lurking, that can catch a hold of our life. And in Romans 7, the apostle talks about this. He talks about that what I would do, what I really want to do, and what I really want out of my life, I don't do it. It doesn't happen for me. I really want this kind of life. I want success. I want peace. I want joy. I want happiness out of my life. And I want to do what's right. I want to be a good person. Most everybody that you talk to on the street says they want to be a good person. Nobody says, well, I'm looking to be a bad person. And I'm looking to be evil. They say, no, I want to be a good person. But see, they get a hold of something that that takes control of their life and leads them down a path that they would never go. You never ask a little kindergartner, what do you want to be when they grow up? And they say, I want to be addicted to drugs. They never say, I want to go to prison. But yet we find hundreds and thousands of people in prison and hundreds of thousands of people addicted to drugs and hundreds of thousands of people addicted to pornography. Nobody set out to get there. Nobody said, but they came in contact with a germ. They came in contact with something that was placed there long before they ever made their choice, long before they ever got there. And they were manipulated by something that they could not control, by something that was too powerful for them to handle. You see, sin is too powerful for you to handle on your own. It's too powerful for you to navigate this world without the help of the Holy Ghost. You can't make it on your own because sin will give you a choice. But then it's really just manipulation. No, no, no system in our culture represents more than the abortion industry. Because they brand their opinion and their position as pro-choice. But if you really start looking at it and you really start talking to people that have gone through that, most often they did not have a choice. Most often they were pressured into it and pushed into it by those that peer pressured them and said, this is what you should do. And they couldn't understand the consequences of the decision. It's manipulation masquerading as choice. That's how the devil always works. That's how the world always works. Well, they just need to have the option. Young people, there are some things you need to take off the options. You say, that's not an option for my life. I don't don't care to give up my liberty there because that's not something that's good because that will destroy my faith. That will destroy my liberty. If you live in this country, you have to abide by the laws of this country. You have to. Right? Well, I guess actually you don't have to. You could go out and rob a bank if you really wanted to. You have the ability and the power to do it. But if you choose to break the laws of our country, we will send you to prison. Now, are there rules in prison? Yes. A lot more than there are for a person that's not in prison. So you say, well, you can't tell me what to do. That's fine. I can't tell you not to rob that bank, but then you'll get put in prison and they're going to tell you what to wear, what to eat, 
when to sleep, when to turn your light on, when to turn your light off. So some people say, you can't tell me what to do. Look at the Word of God and say, you can't tell me what to do. Listen to the preaching and say, you can't tell me what to do. And they make their own choice, but then they find out that there's another law. That there's a law of sin. And it tells you when you can get up and when you can lay down. It tells you what you can and cannot do for the kingdom of God. You begin to feel that call of God on your life, but the guilt and condemnation comes right back and slams you back in your seat because he knows what you've done. And the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren that sin will come back to haunt you that thing that you just thought was a choice will come back and put more rules on you than the word of God ever could than the preacher ever could sin has more rules the law of sin is more oppressive than any law of God and it's not meant to bless you it's not meant to protect you but it's the law of sin and death it's meant to destroy you it's meant to infiltrate your mind infiltrate your heart and begin to control you like a robot to the things that you want to do and the things that you want to accomplish. You find that you can't do it. You don't have the tools. You don't have the equipment because sin has robbed you of your destiny and robbed you of your purpose and robbed you of where you want to go. I had a young girl in my youth group. She comes every now and then. She has very rough home life. We pick her up on the bus she goes to a, one of the worst schools in the country, really a failing school. And they, she's, I think, got a learning disability. And she's just kind of left behind, just, just neglected at home. Her parents are out of the picture. I don't know if she knows who her dad is. Oh, that, you, you know the picture. There's hundreds of them like it all over, all over our city, and I'm sure all over this city. Young people that are neglected. And they don't have any training or any tools and equipment. But they still have a hunger for something and they know what they want their life to look like she posted this picture on Instagram and it was a collage a four picture collage and it she said uh, what I want my life to look like what I want my life to look like and so the first picture was a young couple uh, and the young man was bringing the young lady a bouquet of flowers and you kind of took it to know that that was courtship because the next picture was uh, of a wedding, and she was the young lady was at the altar, and a tear was coming down her cheek, and the groom was wiping her tear. So you know what we know is the marriage, uh, getting married. And then there was a picture of a of a pregnant lady, and the husband was kissing the pregnant belly of of his wife, and and so it implied that she wanted a, a faithful father, somebody that would be faithful to her. She wanted a good marriage, and she wanted a faithful father to her future children and then the last picture was an older couple sitting next to each other still very much in love by the way the picture looked and it symbolized that someone that would be faithful to her and someone that would keep themselves only for her and I looked at that picture to a girl that has no training she barely comes to church we try to get her to come more but she just does it she's just got a lot of pulls on her life and I thought does she have the equipment to make it. She knows what she wants. But does she know what it takes to get there? Because if you mess up one of those steps, young people, and you get something out of order in that process, the end result will not look the same. That's why half of the people that get married end in divorce. It's not because they set out and when they got married, they said, we're going to we commit to do it until we get divorced. 
No, everybody makes the commitment until death. But things happen. Something that was unintended happens. Something that is, was meant as like a free choice, but there's a consequence attached to it that somebody didn't understand. And I thought about this little girl, and I thought, does she have the equipment to make it? Does she have the training, and does she have the ability to get what she wants? Because with the, what the world is teaching her is not going to get her that end result. If you just watch television, that's not going to get you the end result. That message that's coming through is not going to get you that end result. See, deep in the heart of every human being is that hunger for righteousness and that hunger for the way that God created us. But there's something foreign that's been introduced to our system. And that thing is called sin. And it manipulates. And it lies. And it deceives. And it makes you think that you're really in control and that you're making a good decision and that you're making a wise choice but you don't have the vision to see the consequences down the road so we've got to be careful but more than just be careful I didn't come to just drag you down and make you feel bad tonight but when you start thinking about it it can almost get you depressed even the apostle Paul Romans 7 24 said oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death. Right? It can be kind of depressing. Where is the hope? Because you don't have the vision to make it on your own. But the good news is you don't have to go through life on your own. That's what I've come to preach tonight. You don't have to walk through this life on your own. You don't have to face every decision that you've got to make. And young people make a lot of very critical and key decisions. Decisions that you make will affect your future. And it's a little bit scary because our decisions as young people really project our destiny. And I wish I could go back and make a few decisions a little bit differently. But you see, if you could get connected with a tool, with something that will help you in every decision that you make, it will protect you from being manipulated and used by this world. This world has no use for you. But God has use for you. God wants to take you and He values you. This world doesn't value. It values your vote. It values your dollar. It values your presence or your ticket purchases. But it doesn't value you. It doesn't value who you really are because it didn't create you. It doesn't love you. It's not your Father. But God is your heavenly Father. And He wants to invest something in you. Not use you. So everything that God asks of you, every sacrifice that God asks you to give, give is not removing from you but it's adding to you it's adding to you and those two laws cannot get along the law of sin and death cannot get along with the fear of God the law of God it doesn't work that way it would be how many have a dad in here have a dad it would be like your dad getting along with somebody that wanted to kidnap you that just that doesn't make any sense. If somebody was trying to kidnap you, your dad would not like them. He would hate them for good reason. And he wouldn't invite them over for dinner. And he wouldn't say, well, you can go hang out with them. You can go out, you out to eat with them. No, he would protect you. So the law of God 
God's word and God's church is trying to protect you. And it's not going to compromise and say, well, you can go places where there's germs. You can go places where there's spiritual hooks that might grab you. That you think, oh, it's benign. Oh, I can go there. But you see, there's a law that protects you. Against a law that would destroy you. Against something that would grab a hold of your heart and yank you out of the church and yank you out of the place of safety. So we've got to avoid the germ. But we can't just do that. The Apostle Paul said, I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. No good thing. So if you're just trying to well, tell me a list of rules and things that I, don't need, that I don't need to do. Just give me a list of rules. Can I do this or can I do that? Is this okay for me to go there? This, you're missing the point. And you will fail in that enterprise, in that work, in that effort. You will fail just to try to keep every rule. Just to try to keep everything and just make it look good on the outside. And never fix the heart. It won't work. You won't be able to make it. You won't last very long because people do what they want to do. You're going to, you know, you're going to do what you want to do. You, you might force yourself and grit your teeth for a little while, but that's only going to last so long. And then eventually you're going to do what you want to do. So the thing that you've got to, if you have a desire to live for God, you've got to have God change your desire. You've got to have God get on the inside of you so that a hunger builds in you. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? That's what I've come to talk about. How do we do that? I'm almost finished just to give you some hope. How do we do that? Well, we have this thing called the power of the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of us. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So you change the playing field. And no longer is it just a list of rules and just trying to make yourself look good for church and trying to make sure nobody else sees that secret part of your heart. No, it's a total life transformation. And it starts with repentance. There's power in repentance. That's the most powerful thing, young people, that you can do. If you're going to live for God, you've got to learn how to repent. And not just say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, and then go right back to the same stuff. But really cry out to the Lord and say, God, I want this out of my life. I want this out of my life. I've been struggling with this for too long and I want it out of my life. This guilt has weighed me down too long and I want it out of my life. I've got to get it out of my life. I've got to get it out of my heart. That's what repentance looks like. It doesn't have all the answers. It doesn't bring God a 10-step plan of how I'm going to get out of this. It just says, God, I need some help. I want out, God, and I don't know how to get there. But Lord, help me. And see, when you repent, 
repent. God takes care of that sin. He removes the germ and the disease from your life and you're opened up for something. And that something is the power of the Holy Ghost. And it will begin to fill your life and you will speak with other tongues just like on the day of Pentecost. It'll be like fire shut up in your bones. It's not a thing that's dirty. It's clean. It's pure. It's the love of God that envelops your life. That's the power of the Spirit, young people. And you've got to have it. You've got to have it to live for God. If you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to have His Spirit inside of you. Because the Holy Ghost is not just a ticket to heaven. It is necessary for salvation. Absolutely. Without the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. It's absolutely necessary for salvation. But it's not a one-time ticket. Once saved, always saved. Punch your card, now you're good. You're meant to walk in the Spirit. The Bible says walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. How do you walk in the Spirit? Well, you get the Spirit for one thing. But you don't let it die there. You don't let it be a one-time experience at an altar. And you don't let it be a once-every-youth convention so experience at an altar. But you learn to build your own altars. That's how you know you're growing in your Christian walk. That's how you're walking in the Spirit when you develop a life of prayer where God can talk to you outside of church. Where God can speak to you. And where you say, God, I need some help on this decision. God, help me. God, strengthen me. I'm up against some pressure at school. I'm up against some pressure. And, and I, I feel this way. And I, I think this way. But God, help me. I, I want to know if I'm making the right decision. I want to know if I'm on the right path. I want to know if I'm on the right track. And then the Lord can touch you. The Lord can help you. That's walking in the Spirit. And that takes the stuff that the world has piped into your heart and put into your heart and it takes it out and replaces it with a new desire so that you don't have to struggle with the same old things over and over and over again. But you can overcome. You can overcome. You don't have to live within the grip of that addiction forever. You don't have to live within the grip of that guilt and that shame forever because you can learn to walk in the Spirit if you just get hungry for God. If you just get hungry for His help. Because you've got to have that touch of the Spirit. You've got to have that touch of the anointing. That's the only way you're going to make it in church. That's why we're apostolic, Pentecostal. Not because we just like to shout, although we like to shout. And we like to dance. And we love to run. I'd hate to go to a church that didn't like to shout. I'd hate to go to a church that didn't like to worship the Lord. But that's not why we're apostolic Pentecostal, just because we like exuberant worship. Because there's a lot of churches that imitate our worship. But there's got to be something behind the worship. There's got to be something behind the shout. And that something is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I sing because I'm free. I sing because I'm happy. Because one day God touched me. One day God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And one I once, what I once could not do I now find myself that I can do it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me it's with the spirit it's not by might not by power but by my spirit 
saith the Lord. You've got to get the Holy Ghost. And you've got to keep the Holy Ghost. You've got to walk in the Spirit, young people. You've got to walk in the Spirit. And like Brother Nathan was talking about, you don't have to apologize for your radical lifestyle. Because this world is radical. This world is radical. Every year the Razorbacks, where I'm from, is they're radical for the Razorbacks. All right, Sister Sanders, they're radical for the Razorbacks. They're radical for the Razorbacks. And every year they play one of their games in Little Rock. So the radical Razorbacks ascend on Little Rock. And my pastor was driving downtown near the arena or the stadium, and he saw a man walking across the street in nothing but shorts and cowboy boots, and he was painted red from head to toe. And he said, and people think we dress funny. You don't have to apologize, young people, for being radical. There are plenty of people that are radical for something that is meaningless. And even worse, something that has an agenda attached to it that will destroy their life. You don't have to be ashamed to be radical for the thing that has transformed your life. For the thing that has changed you. For the thing that's helped you. For the thing that's pulled you up. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Because see, if you get a testimony, nobody can move you. Nobody can pull you away because you say, I know what God has done for me. I know what he's done for me. And I'm, I'm coming to a close if they want to come to the music. You've got to learn. You have to learn to walk in the Spirit. To desire the things of the Spirit. I told my youth group this the other day. So I could teach them, and we try to teach them as best we can about why we live a holy lifestyle. And why they shouldn't follow certain accounts on Instagram. And why they shouldn't do certain things on Snapchat. And why they got to be careful what they watch on YouTube. And they got to be careful the way they dress and how they look and what message they're sending and what jokes they laugh at and who their friends are. I've tried to teach them everything. But see, I can't give an exhaustive list to keep them from every germ and every disease that's lurking out there in this world. So I told them the one thing that I wish you could catch above all else, above all the rules and all the things, the one thing I wish you could catch is a hunger for God's Spirit. Because if you're hungry for the Spirit of God, it pushes everything else out. You find less and less room for those things that used to distract you. If you're hungry for the Spirit of God. And not only hungry, because I believe there's, Brother French, there's a lot of folks in a lot of churches that are hungry and they never feel anything. But we are in a place where when we get hungry for God, we can feel Him. We're in a place, there's a lot of hungry people all over this world. A lot of people trapped in religious structures and they're hungry for something. And it pushes them to do great feats and to hike great mountains and to meditate for long periods of time, but they feel nothing. But you're in a place 
or where your hunger will be rewarded. Because the Bible says they who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. If you want the Holy Ghost, you can have the Holy Ghost tonight. It's not an empty promise. It's not an empty commitment that God's entered into with you. But if you're hungry, God will fill you. If you want deliverance tonight, you can have it. If you're sick and tired of the perpetual cycle and the prison and the law of sin that has you so locked up that you have trouble sleeping at night or the guilt weighs so heavily on your heart and you really want deliverance, you can have it tonight. Because they who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Not might be filled. Not if they do the right seven steps. But if you just are hungry and you come with an open heart and repent of your sins, God can fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in that name. Because see, young people, what me and you cannot do, and that's live a perfect, sinless life, Jesus did for us. And the price that we could not afford to pay, which was our life, He paid with His life. And the blood that we cannot afford to lose, He shed on a cross. So when you're baptized in the name of Jesus... Your sins are washed with His perfect, sinless blood. And His name becomes your name. And His record becomes your record. And you start clean. The fear of the Lord is clean. There's no heartbreak in serving God. There's no regret in serving God. There's no drunken stupor in serving God. There's no waking up saying, where am I in serving God? You're never going to regret one thing that you lay at an altar. You're never going to regret one night that you spend in church. You're never going to regret one youth service that you ever went to. But you will regret every time you slacked off, every time you didn't pray, every time you didn't get in that word, every time you hung out with those folks you knew you shouldn't be there with. Those are where the regrets are. That's where the germs are lurking. That's where the diseases are. It's there to manipulate you. There's no manipulation at the house of God. There's just a pure altar, a clean commandment to come and lay it down. Lay down your burdens. And God will give you rest. He'll give you peace. He'll give you the tools to make it. So we can stand together all across this house. I want to make an altar call available to you tonight. I don't know who I'm talking to. Every time God gives me a message like this, I look out in an audience and say, God, are you sure? They look so beautiful. They look so good here worshiping you. But no doubt there's somebody that's struggling out there. We may have put on a suit. We may have dressed up. We may have looked nice. But no doubt there's somebody out there that's saying, I'm hungry. I'm hungry to get out of this trap. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. That decision that I made wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It turned out to be something that I didn't see. There was a flip side that I never could see. There was another side that I only saw after I was too far in to come back. 
But I'm here to tell you there's never too far for God's mercy. While you're still alive, there's never too far for God's mercy. What sin has built for years in your life, God can undo in one moment at an altar. God can undo at one moment in this altar. One moment in the waters of baptism. One moment when you feel that power and that anointing of the Holy Ghost. One moment, it's all it takes to change your life. So as they begin to sing, I make this altar available to you right now. If somebody that's hungry, it's not saying I'm a terrible sinner, but I just got to have more of God. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, now's a good night to get filled with the Holy Ghost. If it's been a while since you've spoken in other tongues, you can get renewed in the Spirit tonight. Come on, church, let's help us pray tonight. We got some young people that need the Lord tonight. Let's commit our life. Let's commit our life afresh. Say, God, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you.
The Holy Ghost is strong in this place, but I feel like the Lord wants us to do something specific tonight. If you can hear me, what I want you to do if you're a young person, and then I want the adults to gather behind them. If you're a young person, I want you to get up here as close to me as you possibly can, from the right side to the middle. To left. Come on up, get real close to me here. If you're praying, just go ahead and walk on up front. That's okay, keep praying. Come on, that's it. Y'all come on up together. Come on up, we're going to get as close as we can. Come on, bind together. In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it, okay. That's okay. You may make some people uncomfortable. Just get real close to them. Get real close to them and say, in Jesus' name, we're friends now. We're friends now. Well, every single young person, I want you up here binding together, close together. Here's what I want you to do. I want, I want to get your attention. We're not going to lose... We're not going to lose the presence of God that is in this place. I want you to look at me. There are people in this room right now that need the gift of the Holy Ghost. They need the gift of the Holy Ghost. Brother Jared Turner, it's not by chance he preached that tonight. You're here. You heard the word of God. You have heard from the man of God, from the word of God, that you don't have to live in sin. That sin does not have to control your life. That, that although you may have made mistakes, it's not your identity. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? amen. Now, what we're going to do is when we pray for the Holy Ghost, we have to tell the Lord that we surrendered to him. How many want to surrender everything they have to God tonight? You don't want to hold on to that mess. You don't want to hold on to sin anymore, but you want to let it go. The way that we show God, the way that we show him with our body that we surrender is we lift up both of our hands. Would you lift up both? Just lift up both your hands. Let's practice. Lift up both of your hands. Did you feel the atmosphere just shift from the front to the back? That's because that is... The atmosphere just shifted to a position of surrender. Now you can put your hands up for just a second. I work at a bank. If somebody comes in and says, stick them up, my hands are going to go up <laughs> because I'm showing them you're in control. Whatever you want, <laughs> that's what you're going to do. The other thing that we have to do is we have to use our voice. I've never seen somebody filled with the Holy Ghost without opening their mouth. I've never seen it happen because we receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible says every time somebody received the Holy Ghost, um, they spoke with other tongues. How many knows God does not make you guess if you got the Holy Ghost? He won't do you like that. He wouldn't let you go home and wonder if you got the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost tonight, you are going to know without a shadow of a doubt that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. And we're not going to pray a pretty prayer. We're not worried about being pretty tonight, even though you all look amazing. I want us to just say one prayer. We're going to shout the highest praise. How many knows what the highest praise is in the house? Would you just shout hallelujah at me as loud as you can? Would you shout it one more time at me? Just as loud. Just get right in my face with it. There it is. Now, when we pray the prayer of faith, you don't have to pray any specific prayer. I just want you to shout hallelujah. Now, when you pray for the Holy Ghost, when you, now I was looking out as Brother uh, Turner was preaching tonight, and I looked as that amazing word of God was going forth, and I saw as heads begin to drop to the floor, 
and look at the ground. I don't want anybody looking at the ground tonight unless you're just admiring your shoes. If you think your shoes look good, you can look at the ground for just a second. But let me tell you why you drop your head. It's because you feel shame. You feel that you are not worthy to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You feel the devil has convinced you that you're not worthy to receive the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, none of us are worthy to receive the Holy Ghost, but Jesus was worthy. So it's not about us being worthy. It's because Jesus died on Calvary. So we can go ahead and get that thought out of here that we're unworthy. Of course we're unworthy. Of course we're unworthy, but Jesus is worthy. So here's what I want us to do. The Bible says, I will lift mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. So the way we're going to rebuke the enemy and rebuke fear and shame out of this house is a simple act. I just want you to lift your head as high as it can go. Lift your head as high as it can go. If I can't feel my double chin, I know I'm doing it right. Come on. If you can feel it, you're doing it wrong. Just lift it as high as you can go and look to the heavens. Because how many knows... The help of the Lord is not going to come from down there. We'll lift our eyes because the help is going to pour from the heavens in this house. I'm going to pray a prayer of a prayer of repentance in this house. And when we do that, I want I believe that God is going to pour his spirit out of the heavens on this crowd. Does anybody believe that in the house? Is there faith? I feel faith in this house. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say hi. Look at the next person and say hey. And tell them, have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? Come on, Isaac. Now, here's the hard part. I want you to answer them. I want you to tell them yes or no. If they said Yes, tell them you're going to get it again. If they said no, tell them you're going to get it tonight. Now we're going to pray. How many knows God cannot fill a vessel that's filled with sin and all that junk? He can't fill it. So what we're going to do is we're going to empty our vessel so God can fill us tonight. We're going to pray a prayer of repentance. Could you bow your heads? Let's pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray. Lord, that a, that a spirit of repentance would come over this place. Lord, forgive us of our sins, God. Lord, the world messed me up sometimes. God, the world manipulated me. It made me feel as though it had the answer, and it didn't. It chewed me up. It spit me out, God. I pray that you would forgive me. I pray that you would cast my sin as far as the east is from the west to the deepest bottom of the ocean i pray that you would cast my sin away god lord i pray that you would forgive it lord and that we would never think or speak about it again by the power of the name of jesus christ